Three, two, one. Welcome to David the Dog Trader Podcast, episode one forty-four, and here we are back in the Christmas bar basement, ready to do our second official episode down here. Yeah, hopefully people liked the change up. It seemed like it. We got a couple comments about it. It was good. Saying we were very festive. Yeah, last week was <laughs> was a wild episode because I feel like we one thousand percent just winged it. You know? Oh, yeah. From the standpoint of, like, I, I don't think I genuinely had any idea what I was going to talk about the second I hit yeah. record. Yeah. And we just let that conversation flow. And I think it turned out good. Listen, it it's always interesting how the the quote-unquote, like, throwaway episodes, mm -hmm. the ones we just, like, totally whip together and have no actual plan for, <laughs> wind up producing some very good content. I think the clips mm -hmm. that they wound up using from last week's episode wound yeah. up being super solid. Yeah. So I was pretty pleased about that. Yeah. Hey, uh, we went on a uh, Wonderland adventure for the first like 45 minutes, I feel like. <laughs> Wonderland adventure. <clears throat> so we're talking about Christmas anyway. So what's new, Josh? Uh, not too much. Living the dream. <laughs> Living the dream. Went to um, Hilarities again last night. Won some free tickets. So, yeah. So saw a comedy show, ate some good food. That was about it. Nothing really happened this uh, this week. Everything. My crunch times next week. I got <clears throat> three different things. I have to uh, three different clients. I have to get stuff to before uh, Christmas. So, gotta gotta get the hustle in. Yeah. How about you? Oh, you know, just ready to to <laughs> do a fantastic podcast episode. Okay. So <laughs> last week we started kind of branching into this topic yeah. of who do you need to become to be a better owner, trainer, handler, whatever it may be of yeah. your dog, yeah, right? Talking about less of a do issue and more of a who you become issue. So mm -hmm. what I thought would be interesting to do today mm -hmm. is I pulled a bunch of random quotes okay. from, you know, business coaches, life coaches, whatever you want to call them. Uh -huh. And what I want to do is I want to read them I want to discuss them, and then I want to correlate them into dog training. Yeah, equate them to it. I want yeah. to equate them in some way, shape, or form. Okay. And this could go really well, or this could be a disaster. I don't know. <laughs> but what we're going to do <clears throat> is we're going to figure it out. Sounds good. All right. I'm excited. <clears throat> Here's number one. Okay. Monday reminder. You learn more by doing than you do by reading, planning, or talking about. You learn more by actually doing the thing. Doing the thing. That's very true. Give me your first thoughts, Josh. Uh, just, just from my own experience of uh, wanting to do anything and everything for a while. Um, when you when you think about it a lot, it seems so easy. And oh yeah, I could do that, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, you don't really know until you actually do the thing and mm -hmm. learn what your challenges are, what it's going to actually take to succeed in a certain thing. So I definitely agree with that. It's uh, it's easy to think how well it'll be and plan it out. But until you actually do it, uh, that, you know, it's just a dream at that point. Mm -hmm. Dave Ramsey has a, a very, a very uh, similar thing he says where he calls it paralysis of the analysis. Ooh, 
I like that. Right? That's true. Listen, educating yourself on things is always very important. Mm-hmm. But so much that you need to know about whatever it is you're trying to figure out doesn't actually come to you until you actually start doing it. Mm-hmm. Right? So let's start spinning this one into like a dog training thing, right? I've got a couple examples of, of you know, how I see a similar issue in dog training, right? Mm-hmm. The first and foremost one are a lot of the people that we see in our comment section day after day after day after day, right? I've got this issue. What do I do about this, mm-hmm. right? How do I stop this problem? Whatever, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. And and it's not even an exaggeration between comments and messages and all that kind of stuff. Like probably five to 10 times per day, we have somebody reaching out and saying, hey, I have this problem. I need tips. I need advice. Mm-hmm. Right. But I would bet you every single one of those people never actually take action on any of the tips or advice that are being mm-hmm. given to them. Yeah. Right. They're interested in looking for a solution right and researching as many different solutions as they could possibly find and then they'll sit there and they'll have all of the knowledge in front of them Mm -hmm. right but something is holding them back from taking action and implementing some of those solutions yeah right that's one we see all the time the second example gets back to um from more of the trainer side of things right which is sometimes we'll do boarding trains with people right and, and in the send home lesson, we'll get too hung up on the, the question and answer side of things in the board and train, mm-hmm. right? They'll be asking all sorts of different like hypothetical questions and asking about different situations they may experience and this and that. And some of that is important to an extent. I'm not saying all learning or reading or asking is, is not important, mm-hmm. but many of those questions that they have, they would be far more equipped if we just let those things happen organically so we could teach them in the moment, right? Okay. So if I'm working with a client and, you know, we start a board and train with them, it's going to be a three-hour-long board and train send-home lesson, right? And, you know, if I spend the first hour to hour and a half just sitting there talking to them, answering questions and saying, when this happens, you're going to do this. When this happens, you're going to do this. When this happens, you do this, right? Mm-hmm. What's going to happen is I'm going to waste all this time where I could have just had them start working with the dog right away. And Mm. then as they work with the dog, I could coach them in real time through these things. Mm. So not only are they learning the information, but they're practicing it in the moment. And by physically doing it, you start developing the muscle memory and you start answering the questions on your own in your head. Yeah. Right. So, so I would say this one is very important from both the trainer standpoint as well as the client standpoint. From the trainer standpoint, you've got to make sure that you're not being too much the distributor of information without action, mm-hmm. right? So you got to get the people just working with the dogs, yep, right? And then answering questions in real time, but having them kind of work through some of these hurdles on their own by just doing it, right? Yeah. And then from the um, client standpoint... If you're going to seek out information, once you've seeked out the information, immediately come up with a game plan on how you're going to apply it to your dog, mm. right? So yep. take action right away. If you look up a video, if you're like, I want to, w- if, if you're one of the people that says, oh my God, my dog pulls on a walk and is reactive, right? Well, find one solution for it somewhere and then do that thing. Mm-hmm. 
just do it. Yeah. Right. Whether it's you have to switch a training tool, whether it's how you're implementing a training tool, whether it's how you go for your walk, whatever it may be, just actually take action on that thing right away. Mm. Right. And then I guess from the, the trainer standpoint, on the other side of the equation, you have like your learning as a trainer. Mm. There are so many people that get hung up in the, the continuing knowledge standpoint of like they're taking courses and watching videos and, and all this kind of stuff. And I think we talked about this with maybe Blake or Tyler or, or somebody. Sometimes I think as trainers, we take in too much information on different ways to train because we're trying to educate ourselves, mm -hmm. but we never have an opportunity to take whatever information we just learned and experiment with it and play with it. So mm. knowledge without the execution of the knowledge and without the understanding and the experience of actually doing the thing that you learned, it's useless. It's going to go in one year, out the other. And mm. if you haven't had an opportunity to practice it and play with it, it's just useless information at that point. That's true. It's uh, the <clears throat> in one ear, out the other, right? Yeah. So that's uh, that's quote number one. Yeah, I liked it. And you do make a great point on, uh, I guess it's almost like over-educating yourself where, you know, like take for example in school, you know, mm -hmm. there's like probably a lot of things that we don't really remember from high school. Sure. And it's just knowledge, knowledge, knowledge you know. You never used next, it. Yeah. That's Lesson a great, plan. that's a great tie into it. I feel like, yeah, especially like my math. I feel like <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just don't ever do geometry yeah, yeah. or any of that kind of stuff, you know, and it's like, I couldn't tell you mm -hmm. left from right from that now, but yeah. you're right. The, the things that you retain are the ones that you, you practice on and, and you keep fresh in your mind and what you're actually using day to day. Mm -hmm. So, so the, the key is as a trainer or as an owner, just start doing the things that you're learning about. You yeah. know what I mean? Don't just keep learning about things and trying to figure out, you know, what the next thing you need to learn is. Learn yeah. something and then do it. Yeah. Right? Okay. Did you have something else? No, I was just going to say, I, I feel like uh, a lot of people, I'm not going to say everybody, but like a bunch of people that go to like the seminars and stuff, <laughs> not just the dog training seminars, just in general, you know, those business seminars and stuff. I think they're those kind of people where they're just like searching for Whatever the, the magical thing. thing. Yeah. 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 But mm -hmm. then they never, I think Alex Hormozzi actually said it in his thing that I watched was. That was an Alex Hormozzi quote. <laughs> was it? Yeah. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, he was the one that was saying, it. He, he's like, if you're not going to do this, yeah, then you should, you might as well just turn it off right you're now because your you're wasting your time. Yeah. Yeah. So a hundred percent. There's just so much to that, you know, it's yeah. like, and it, it's so interesting. It's like, you know, like you ask yourself the question of like, what is holding What's holding you back from just doing it? You know, it's like yeah. you're almost like looking for reasons to delay taking action by seeking the next bit of knowledge, right? Yeah, exactly. So, okay, so here's the next one. Like I said, all of these, I think, kind of tie together a little bit, mm -hmm. right? All right, so this one, a focused fool can accomplish more than a distracted genius. Say that one again. A focused fool can accomplish more than a distracted genius. Mm. What does that mean to you, Josh? It, it makes me think of myself, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Elaborate. <laughs> um, you know, every every great thing in my life that has happened was uh, me being a fool. You know, Let, let's just take, for example, my photography career. Uh, I put $10,000 down on credit to buy all my first gear. 
that I never went to school for and never, I had a GoPro before that, you know? And, uh, I said, I want to do this cause I want to do something creative. And it seems like it caught my eye and I just dug in head first mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, it was hard for a little bit, for sure. You know, the first couple of years of not really knowing how to edit photos or anything like that, but still trying to do it. Um, it it created me into a, a, a better photographer than a lot of people I know that have went to school for it. I'm sorry to say that, but um, sorry, I think... Sorry, not sorry. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that's what that, that, that I take away from that is, even though I had no idea what I was doing, I was still doing it, where someone else may still be in the planning phase or Mm. something like that. And they never even get to the point. Mm. So you're looking at it more. Are you looking at it more from the lens of the thing you did was like a seemingly foolish thing to do of like, God, like, wow, you just will put yourself in $10,000 of debt. That's such a dumb thing to do. Mm -hmm. But because you were focused, you got the outcome still. Is that kind of what you mean by that? Or where are you oh, going yeah. with that? That's, that's exactly what I mean. Right. Uh, because a lot of people said I was uh, yeah. crazy in yeah, the yeah, beginning. Yeah. All right. That's a different spin that I had on it, but a good one nonetheless. Yeah, I want to hear yours. So, so I view it a little bit more from the lens of you could be, I, th- I think they're, they're, they're using fool and genius as like naturally gifted versus like definitely not naturally gifted, right? Somebody that doesn't know anything using photography, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody that doesn't have a natural gift for photography versus somebody that has a natural gift for photography. And Mm -hmm. if the one that doesn't have a natural gift for photography is very focused and committed and putting in the work, Mm -hmm. right? But the one that has the natural gift is very lazy and distracted mm. and doesn't put in any work or any of those types of things, yeah. there's a high probability that the person that doesn't have the natural gift can ultimately outwork that other person mm. and achieve bigger or better things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, that's 100%. <clears throat> I don't know if that was the intention of it, obviously, but that's the way that I kind of view it. Right? Yeah. And I guess my equation to dog training with it, I don't know if it's necessarily... This might be a little bit of a stretch as far as making the correlation, but what it makes me think of is just using focused and distracted as an example Mm -hmm. is when you experience challenging moments with your dog, whether it's when guests come over the house, right? Whether it's when you go out on your walk, whether it's whatever thing you may do with your dog where they get really overstimulated. It's a a problem area, right? The key to success is being able to stay focused through the chaos. Mm. And if you could stay focused through the chaos, you're going to find yourself getting past those hurdles much, much better than, you know, uh, uh, somebody that is just distracted and not paying attention to little things, no matter where their skill set is initially. Right. Mm. I I coach people through this a lot where, you know, we'll do one-on-one sessions with people or board and trains. And they'll work their dog in a controlled environment or in a quiet environment or not around distractions. And their understanding of the things that they're doing is really good, mm. right? They'll, their timing is perfect. The way they give a command, enforce a command, reward a command, any of those types of things, it's really, really spot on. Like they do a fantastic job with it. Yeah. But the second a distraction presents themselves, it's almost like they get just as distracted as the dog does. Mm. And then all of that just goes out the, window. the window. We see it all the time. We're like, I'll have worked a hundred bed stays with this client. They've done it a hundred times perfectly in Mm -hmm. a row, right? Mm -hmm. But then the second somebody's at the door 
and they need to do the exact same thing, yeah. they're not able to focus enough through it to mm. get the results that they want. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, kind of, I kind of look at it that way, right? From the standpoint mm. of like distracted versus focused, right? The key to success is staying focused and then outworking, uh, obviously, somebody that may have a natural talent for it. We'll see a lot of clients that, you know, can have a better relationship with their dog and a better level of training than their dog than some trainers that we see out there. And the key really is their ability to work hard on the goals that they're setting for themselves and for their dog and be able to ultimately achieve those things. Yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. I was, I was thinking of, um, a certain, uh, YouTube trainer that we love very much, but I won't say the name. We don't need to bring it up anymore, but, uh, (laughs) you know how their training videos and and style is is that they do everything when there's no distractions and Mm. it's all fine but when if there's anything else in the ether then it their training kind of just starts to kind of crumble and and fall apart because the Mm -hmm. dog gets distracted and they don't know how to overcome that because all their training was done in this perfectly controlled Mm. like sterile environment Mm mm-hmm yeah, and, and equating it to situations like that, not using any particular person as a name, but like a lot of trainers out there, you know, when you get into like the competition of like balance training versus force-free training and stuff, mm-hmm. um, a lot of trainers out there will find themselves in this trap of like they're so focused on what everybody else is doing mm-hmm. that they're distracted from the work they're doing, right? Yeah. And they're so focused on going on other people's pages and being like, your training is terrible. And like, you can't even call yourself a real trainer because you use e-collars and blah, 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 right? Mm-hmm. They'll get so focused on that that yeah. they're distracted from actually working on their training, yeah, right? And exactly. they're distracted from not realizing that their clients might be struggling, yeah. right? But they're so hung up on the other side. They're so distracted by the other side of things that they're limiting their abilities of themselves because of that. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a big thing to keep in mind, right? Like, obviously, you know, when you're putting out content in the form of like podcasts and stuff like that, you know, being aware of what's going on around you is very important. But you can't lose sight of the main focus of things, which is your training that you're doing and making sure that you're actually helping your clients. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, so that's an example, obviously. Man, my phone is blowing up over here. So anything else on that one? No, I'm good. <laughs> All right. Here's the next one. Until you win, effort always goes unnoticed. Get used to it. Mm. Until you win, effort always goes unnoticed. Deal get with it. Go get used to it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's very true. It's a hundred percent true. I think uh, the best way to equate it with the dog training is no one no one cares until they see the end result of your dog. <laughs> you know, that's a good one. <clears throat> what do you think? Why? What, what do you? Does it resonate to you at all? Oh, it does for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I, sorry, I guess I went straight to the dog. You went training straight part. to the dog. Sorry, <laughs> I mean this is a dog training podcast. Yeah, I suppose. No, that. Uh, I guess. I guess for me, it's it is the same thing. It's like those first two to three years of doing photography, you know, personally or or 
but we can go back to the music days, you know, mm. when you're like that first local band grinding it yeah. out. <laughs> when you're when you're selling the tickets at Peabody's and nobody would come watch you while you're in the Pirates Cove because uh, you just happened to get the slot that was when the main act was playing at the same time. So mm. people would come in and watch you for one song and then leave. Yeah, you know. And then <clears throat> that really ha- happened with Clarity Calls Forth, uh, old band. Look it up on YouTube. Shout out Clarity. Yeah. <laughs> but no one cared. And then we put out a release show and we put out an EP. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, people actually care. And they started coming to shows and stuff. But then we broke up. But <laughs> if we hadn't, you know, it's like those first, you know, fans see you then. And the you know, new fans are like, oh, my gosh, you're so good. But mm-hmm. it's like we've been around for two and a half, three years. You never knew, mm-hmm. you know. And it is it it is a thankless job to yourself until, you know, that three four years after that you've been putting in the work. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a hundred percent. I mean, that quote for for anybody, I think, is important. You yeah. Know? Sometimes we want like immediate validation of oh, the yeah. things that we're doing, especially now with social media. A hundred percent. It's like if my first video doesn't go viral, oh my then god, I'm a dog. I'm quitting. Yeah, like, I mean, I remember every time I, I did something, right? Like, whether it was music, who, you know, both of I achieved, both you and I achieved, obviously, a pretty good level of success in that industry. Mm-hmm. Whether it's, you know, dog training, obviously, you know, we've achieved a, a very, very high level of success in that industry. Photography, your, yeah. your success has been consistently growing over the years with it, right? Yeah. Um, initially, when we started all of those things, like, even the biggest fans that you have right now probably were very skeptical of that initially yes right like i i look at friends and family members that when i started in music or more importantly when i started in dog training because that's the one that i really have you know made a name for myself with mm-hmm. um i literally remember even if it wasn't blatantly said i remember the absolute judgment that i felt when yeah. i said that i was going to be going to do those things mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah, this is kind of okay. like the last quote. This is kind of what I equated it to yeah. as well, you know? Yeah, yeah. Where it's like you're you're uh not going with the the same flow of other people, you know? It's like kind of out there like dog train like <laughs> when you told your parents, I'm sure like, "Hey, I I think I want to, you know, I got Vera and I, I think I want to train dogs." Yeah, yeah. I'm sure the looks were probably like Mhm. You know what? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I literally remember when I said I was quitting my shitty but stable factory job yep. <laughs> to, to be a dog trainer. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I, I remember my mom saying like, well, if you think you could support yourself off of that. Right? Like, yeah, like, like the yeah, positive yeah. but kind of passive yeah, aggressive. Yeah. Like, yeah, are you sure? Right. You know, and then it's like once you achieve the success, it's like, OK, then at that point, it's like everybody's your biggest fan. Mm-hmm. Right. But. Um, you know, until you hit that, you got to get used to the fact that people aren't going to approve of the things that you're doing initially. Yeah. Now let's equate this to your average client, right? A lot of the things that you're going to need to do if you want to have the level of training that you, you know, suck out dog training in order to achieve, a lot of the things you're going to need to do are going to be going against the grain. Yeah. Right. Fighting the norms of what it is that people generally think living with a dog, owning a dog, training a dog should look like. Whether that's the tools you use, e-collars, prong collars, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Whether it's um, the things you allow or don't allow your dog to do 
furniture access, sleeping in the bed, putting them in a crate, whether it's the things you expect of your guests when they come over your house, yeah, leaving your dogs alone when you're working training with them, not allowing people to come up and interact with your dog constantly, stuff like that. Mm. There are going to be a lot of things that you do that initially before people see the outcome of what those things will heed for you. Mm-hmm. they're going to judge the shit out of those things. And they're going to think that they have the greatest dog in the world and that their opinion on what you should be doing is what really matters. They'll give you all the, well, with my dog, I did this and this worked. <laughs> yeah. well, with my dog, all you have to do is just give them some treats over here and it'll work, right? <laughs> yeah. The the amount of of advice when you start training your dog, you will get from other dog owners in your friends or family circle is going to be absurd. And the amount of judgment you will feel for the things that you're doing is going to be absurd. And until your dog is so well behaved that it's undeniable to those people that what you're doing is working more than what they're doing, you will feel that judgment and you got to get used to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. That's a big one actually. Yeah. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think since, uh, every, everything I've, every avenue I've taken after high school was, uh, the non-conventional one. Yeah. Like, I've gotten pretty used to it, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, even like this whole, like, um, you know, apparel thing that I'm doing, mm-hmm. you know, I, I still got the same thing and I'm like, y'all said that when I was <laughs> trying to be a photographer too, yeah, yeah. And here we are. So, you know, it's, it's all about, yeah, your mindset of, the future, you know, not, 100%. not right now. It's like, what do you, what do you, what are you trying to achieve five, 10 years from now? You know, what's, you don't, you got to stop looking at the, uh, what am I going to get tomorrow from it? Yep. And, and that's the hard part, I think, for a lot of people. I agree. All right. Anything else on that one? I think the other thing too is, uh, <clears throat> people look at, um, you know, they go online. I think, with dog trainers too, you know, and we've t- kind of t- touched on this, but you know, if they, if they're like online, they, they Google like dog trainers in Cleveland and then, you know, fucking 30 dog trainers come up. I don't know how many are in here, but I'm sure there's quite a few here in the mm-hmm. Cleveland area. And it's like, Oh, well it's oversaturated. I can't make it mm-hmm. here. You know, same thing with photography, same thing, clothing brand, same thing with yeah, yeah. hairstylists, you know, how many hairstylists are around, you know? Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> if, if you get caught up on like, Oh, there's already so many people doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That kind of brings up a, a <clears throat> secondary point is, you know, as a dog trainer, I remember when I was a, a, a young dog trainer, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I remember wanting so badly to be like, accepted by my fellow colleagues that yeah. were like doing big things yeah yeah you know yep and i like you know and i you know i built good relationships <laughs> with them and stuff like that but it wasn't until i can remember a couple people in particular that i would say i have a pretty good relationship with now that are bigger name dog trainers there's a couple of them in particular i could think of that like early in my career definitely just saw me as just a fucking new whatever yeah. dog trainer newbie, you know like yeah. just a newbie you know like nothing to to you know to pay attention to or anything yeah. like that right and it wasn't until i started achieving success within my own business right that i started becoming respected by them mm-hmm. you know yeah and i see it a lot now with other new trainers who are either just getting started or still trying to find themselves in the dog world mm-hmm. you know yeah and i see 
in the comments they leave on people's posts and, and things like that, of like other dog trainers, right? Mm-hmm. I see the desperation in wanting to be accepted by those people, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but like it's never going to get you there until you focus on yourself and you achieve something and you make yourself undeniable. Yeah. That you will become somebody that they will respect. Yep. You know? Yeah. I'm trying to think. <laughs> There's like some metal song where he's like, I am undeniable. <laughs> I just thought about it in my head. I was like, yeah. Right, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> All right. What else we got here? This next one is is very similar to this last one that I read. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is the older you get, the fewer friends you tend to have. Not because you're less social, but because you have higher standards. So this is looking at it mm. from opposite roles. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So the last one was looking at things from the lens of, you know, other people will not respect you, right, until you achieve something. Then you'll be somebody that they kind of look up to you, right? This one's looking at it the other way of, like, as you achieve something, right, your standards for yourself, for your company, for your dog are going to be so high Mm-hmm. That a lot of the things prior to that you used to accept and allow into your space or into your world, yeah, you're going to start mixing some of that, right? Oh, yeah. You say it's lonely at the top. It's lonely <laughs> at the top when you got a well-behaved dog sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it is. There's, um, there's a lot of instances of, you know, just dog <clears throat> and dogs in general. Like, we don't bring our dog around certain friends' dogs. You that know? is it. And we can't go hang out with them because yeah, we we know what their dog is like, you know? Actually, this is a funny spin on it is, is actually, yeah, look at it from the, your dog, the higher you hold your, your dog will have less friends, not yeah. because they're yeah, less social, but because they have higher standards because <laughs> yeah. you have higher standards for them, yeah. right? No, that's very true. And it's interesting, right? And that's a tough one for people to grasp sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like... You know, if you look at it from that lens, oh my God, why would I provide less for my dog, right? Why would my dog, why would I want my dog to have less friends? But if you look at it really, right, with anything, whether it's humans, whether it's dogs, whether it's whatever, um, less is more, right? Mm -hmm. If you have less friends, but more quality relationships with your friends, you're going to be a happier individual, right? If your dog has less dog friends, but has a more solid and mutually respectful relationship with those dog friends, your dog is going to have a better time than if your dog has 7,000 friends and is constantly getting in little scuffles or doing whatever the hell they want or Mm -hmm. learning bad habits or any of those types of things. Less is more with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think think my biggest self-understanding of that was not that I was fam- I was Cleveland famous, you know, mm-hmm. but as soon as I got, uh, as soon as I stopped being in a metal band and uh, not going to shows all the time, I would say 90% of my friend group kind of just went whoo, gone. Mm. You know, the fair weather friends took their, took their leave. Mm. You didn't provide value to them anymore, Josh. Yeah, I, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't make song, angry, angsty teenager songs anymore. All right. This is a good one. This is a longer one. Okay. To become confident, you do something enough times that you lose your excitement. So many times you get bored of it. Then you start predicting what will happen because it's the same thing that happened the last 100 times you've done it. 
People mm. call you confident, but all you do is state the facts. Confidence doesn't create proof. Proof creates confidence. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, so the more that you become a professional at something, the almost the easier... more proficient you proficient, become at something. Yeah, proficient. Yeah, 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 yeah proficient. That's good. Um, the easier, basically, it is for you. It's almost like uh, sleepwalking mm-hmm. at that point. Um, how that quote is it like is it saying that it's good or bad I guess because like saying the, what's good or bad like your your profession or your career because like where it says like it almost can get boring well my interpretation of yeah. this is alright so the first part right to become confident you do something enough times that you lose your excitement so many times you get bored of it mm-hmm. right so basically you're becoming so proficient in something that it's no longer exciting to you yeah. is the way I look at that, right? Yeah. Then you start predicting what will happen because it's the same thing that happened the last 100 times you've done it, mm-hmm. right? So basically, you are so confident in the result of doing A, B, C, or D thing, yeah, right? Um, and you may not be excited of it anymore. You might get bored of it, but because it is so predictable, you become confident in that thing. Mm -hmm. And then people say, people call you confident, but all you do is state facts, right? So because it's so predictable, it's not even that you're like, I'm confident that this will work, right? It's just, I know, I just know this will work. Yeah, right. I got you. Not because there's any emotion behind it, Mm -hmm. or I'm so excited about it, or, 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 or so hopeful about something. It's because I just know. Yeah. There's no emotion behind it. Right. And then confidence doesn't create proof. Proof creates confidence. Right. So, so by, by doing something so many times that you are so confident in the end result of it, it, that proof makes you confident in what you're doing. Yeah. No, I, yeah, no, I, I definitely get that. I, I, uh, I think a good example was, um, when I did the photos for the MGM, uh, resort uh, they were like the one guy was just freaking out the whole time he's like worried about how's the lighting gonna look how's it gonna be like do we need to do this put these up put these down I was like it's okay got my own setup it'll come out perfect he's mm-hmm. like are you sure like what if we do it over here I'm like it doesn't matter where we do it he said I know this is gonna work I know this is gonna work Yeah. not even cause it, you know it's not because you're confident it's because you've done it so many times <laughs> that you know it will work which is yeah. why you're confident yep yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. So, so I have so many different dog training spins on this, right? I'll I'll give you one in particular. I was doing a virtual Mm -hmm. session with somebody months ago, right? And I was having them work a specific drill, Mm -hmm. right? And the dog kept making the mistake over and over and over again, Mm. right? And I kept telling him, I was like, just walk him back, put him back in, walk him back, put him back in. It was I was working on crate training, right? Okay. The dog just kept walking out of the crate, right? And I said, just put him back in, just put him back in, put him back in. And, and I could tell they were like, God, he just keeps making this freaking mistake. This mm-hmm. is never going to work, yeah. right? But because I've done it so many times before, and I've seen the end result so many times, I was as confident as can be. And it's not that because I was confident, I was like, yeah, just do this thing because I'm confident. It was 
because I've seen it's it's a fact this will work eventually that I was confident in that process mm-hmm. right and ultimately we got whatever 23 repetitions in yeah. and then the dog did it perfectly right mm-hmm. and I remember I was like all right let's take a break talking to them and they were like I remember the guy was like I was he was 100% confident that it was never going to work. <laughs> He's like, we're going to do this so many times. It's never going to get the result. Yeah. And I told him, I was like, you know, a lot of times with dog training, you have to just trust the process. Once you've done it so many times, right, mm-hmm. as a trainer, and you become confident in it because you've done it so many times, at that point, you have to kind of get your clients to just trust the process mm. and just let's just keep doing it. Let's yeah. not talk about it back to the very first one, right? Mm-hmm. Let's just do it so you could see the result. Yeah. And it will answer your questions then eventually. So that's mm-hmm. that's one standpoint is when you're coaching a dog or an owner through a particular drill and they're struggling with it, if what you know is fact, right? You've done mm-hmm. it so many times, you've seen the end result so many times, you know it's gonna work, mm-hmm. you could be confident in telling the client, just trust the process at that point. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So we'll see that a lot. And then I'll see younger trainers that haven't done it so many times. It hasn't become fact in their mind. Mm-hmm. They second guess themselves in those situations. Yeah. Right. Because since it hasn't become fact, right, mm. they don't trust the process themselves. Yeah. So they can't get their client to then trust the process. Very true. Right. Yeah. So confidence is very important, but confidence doesn't just, it's not just a natural trait that you have. I think that's the point of this quote. Confidence is not a natural trait that people have. Confidence comes from them doing something proficiently so many times that they just know it's going to work. It becomes fact to them and there's no emotion behind it anymore. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think another great example is um, watching you back in the day, you know, when we would be in the office and then you would take a you'd call, you know, a potential client, you know, they put it in mm-hmm. the form or whatever. And the clients always, it, it's always a unique experience when they're having trouble with their dog. Usually, mm-hmm. you know, like, Oh, this must be the worst problem in the world. Yeah. Yeah. But as the, you know, you're sitting there you're like letting them like tell their story. But it's like, I think you said, within the first five minutes, you're usually like, I know what's going on, mm-hmm. you know? And that's from the proficiency of hearing client over client over client thinking that they have a unique experience. But it's like you've seen pretty much everything at least, Mm -hmm. I don't know, 100 times probably at this point, a thousand times, who knows. But you can already kind of categorize the things that are going to need to be done to fix the problem. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that uh, the more you do as a trainer, the more you'll realize like how easy it actually is to kind of know oh i already know what we're gonna have to do like how we're gonna have to get through this and it's already like going through your brain like how we're gonna get through it because you've done it before a million times and you're you've built that confidence because you know yeah and it's a similar thing with like uh let's look at assessments as an example right Mm -hmm. a lot of clients are dying for us to come and do an assessment with their dog yeah right we don't do assessments it's just not something we do Mm -mm. right and in the client's mind the reason for the assessment is because they genuinely feel like their dog is so much worse than everybody else's dog that Mm. we have to see it so that like something we see is gonna shock us and be like (laughs) oh my gosh this is this is so much different. My original plan that I had in my mind is definitely not going to work. We got to switch it up and do this and do that. <laughs> yeah. But it's just not the case. Yeah. Right. We've done it so many times mm-hmm. that whatever issue you bring us at that point, 
we're going to have some sort of solution for, mm-hmm. and it's not going to change the program. It's just not. Yeah. Right. Then yeah. from a uh, from a dog side of things, were you gonna, were you gonna say? Sorry. I was just gonna say assessments always made me think of like like smoke and mirrors, you know, like yeah, and that and then you got the other side of things of like why do people generally do assessments? It's a great sales tactic, exactly. right? Getting the person right in front of you and trying to like wow them, yeah, you know, by working with the dog or. Or, or, or getting them in person. It's harder for somebody to say no to something in person. So they yeah. use it as a big sales pitch of like, we do this assessment, which is bullshit, right? Like, yeah. it's like, not like, a no. I, I guarantee you, like almost zero trainers on the planet, if they do assessments, are actually looking at what they're seeing and being yeah. like, oh yeah, I need to calculate <laughs> this custom thing for you through this. Yeah. They want to get in front of you so that right in front of you, they could say, so you want to do this, right? Mm-hmm. And then right in person, when I'm looking you in the eye and say, do you want to do this? It's very hard to say no in that situation. Yeah. Exactly. Very hard to walk away and, you know, yeah. stay confident <laughs> in that. Or over the phone, it's like, yeah, no, I don't want to. You just hang up. You don't yep. have to see them. It's not as intimate. Yeah. Right? So whatever. So, so yeah, assessments. But then from like a dog standpoint, you know, let's look at teaching new commands. I talk about it all the time, right? We don't necessarily want for the dog to be excited about the thing that they're doing. I mean, it's, mm. it's okay. Like, it's not a problem, obviously. But I don't need to be content. Like, like a lot of times if I'm working sits with a dog, right, I may do it five times and the dog is just excited to work and the dog does it proficiently those five times, but they're doing it sheerly out of excitement. They're not doing it because they're confident in the expectation mm. of what I'm asking of them. They're not confident in the expectation of reward or consequence for not doing it. Yeah. Right. So what happens is we do it. We do it those five, ten, five times, ten times, twenty times, thirty times, and then the dog starts getting bored of it. And then they're not confident that that behavior is going to be enforced. They've mm. just been doing it just because it's exciting, right? Yeah. Then they start making some mistakes, and then some consequences start happening. And then they're like, "Oh my gosh, this is a different <laughs> expectation than what I'm used to." Yeah. And then maybe they start getting bored of it, and 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 you know whatever they're they're still figuring it out. And then you do it a hundred more times. And at that point, they are confident in when I'm asked to do this, this will be the reward for doing it, or this will be the consequence for not doing it. Mm-hmm. And they do it proficiently every time from that point moving forward. But you got to get all those repetitions in to get past the excitement, get past the boredom, and then just reach confidence with it. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. That's a big one. That's yeah. a big one. Especially when you start getting into the mistakes, when they start making mistakes with it, they start second guessing themselves and they may do it well. From the standpoint of they're they're actively sitting when you ask them to sit, but you could definitely tell because the expectation shifted in that moment, they're not confident in doing it. Mm. And you can see when it clicks, you know, yeah. when it clicks, when it's like they just do it, right? And they might be a little bit excited to do it, but they just consistently and smoothly do it every time. Yeah. All right. What else we got here? <clears throat> this is a good one. It takes everyone a different amount of time to realize there are no handouts. There is no playbook, and no one is coming to save you. Is that Jocko? No. Really? Yeah, it's not. Damn, I, I definitely thought it was that a Jocko. That sounds like a Jocko. Yeah. Though, right? No one's coming to save you. No one's coming to save you. <laughs> no, I, I definitely... Uh... I definitely feel people sometimes think they're they're owed that from uh, collabs or anything like that or um, like the notice me like wanting to be the um, 
main character of life, you know, like of their own life. So they, they expect almost, um, like you were, you were kind of saying earlier, uh, they, they want, you know, the higher trainers to notice them Mm. kind of, you know, and they feel like they're kind of owed that for some reason. I, I do feel like people have that mentality, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Sometimes not really a humble look on maybe where they're at in their training career. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I view it a little differently. Okay. Give it to me. I look at this. Pull it back up here. I I look at this from the standpoint of... I th- Actually, no. I, so this one's a little, is a little tricky, right? So, so it yeah. takes everyone a different amount of time to realize there's no handouts, there's no playbook, and no one is coming to save you. So those are all kind of three different things, I suppose. So yeah, handouts, true. some people expect that there should just be people there to help them, mm-hmm. right? People think that there should just be an easy solution, a playbook. If I just do these things that are outlined for me and mm-hmm. I'll achieve success and never run into a problem. Yeah. Or when you start running into issues that there's somebody out there that can solve your problems for you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which I would say I completely agree that those things do not exist, right? Mm-hmm. And, it, and the point of this, I think, is it takes everybody a different amount of time to realize that Right. And once you do realize that, that there's no handouts, no playbook, and no one is coming to save you, it forces you to become your own person a little bit more and be more creative and force your brain to come up with solutions for things and achieve whatever it is you want to achieve. Right. Mm -hmm. So I look at this from a dog owner standpoint, big time. Obviously, a trainer can, can experience all of those things. You know, mm-hmm. getting back to the trainers, I see looking for approval or solutions from other trainers constantly. Like, there's plenty of trainers out there that will forever live in this boat of constantly going on somebody's page. You know, that's a trainer that's a bigger name trainer than them, right? Mm-hmm. And constantly being like, hey, I have this client that's having this issue. What should I do? Right. Hey, I have a client that's having this issue. What should I do? I see that all the time with all sorts of different trainers. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's not that you can't ask for assistance, obviously, but if you're constantly only ever asking somebody else what they would do in a situation, you never will figure out what to do on your own and you will mm-hmm. never become confident in yourself. That's right. True. So it kind of ties in with the last one, obviously. Mm-hmm. But as an owner, I think it takes every owner a different amount of time to understand that they are the only one that can fix their issues with their dog. Yeah. No matter what training program you do, how long you work with somebody, what board and train program you sign up for, the only way you will succeed with your dog is if you understand that you have to figure out what to do. Yeah. And a good trainer can help you through that, Mm -hmm. right? But unless you accept 100% responsibility for everything your dog does, and I mean everything Mm -hmm. right if your dog got out the back door and chased down a runner and bit him in the leg or something like that unless you realize that without a question of a doubt 100 percent of that falls on you Mm -hmm. then you will never succeed with your dog yeah right yeah and some people 
you know, everybody takes a different amount of time for it. And some people, that amount of time is forever. You know, yep. they'll never be able to view things that way. And they will constantly be stuck with mm. uh, having subpar behavior with their dog. Yeah. Right. Um, true. But that's, that is such a big one. And I think that's like the most important one is you understanding nobody can save you. Yeah. Your trainer cannot save you. Your trainer can give you advice, but only you can take that advice and take action with it and save yourself in those situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I just keep thinking like how many, how many, uh, how many people have bought a Tony Robbins book, you know? And, <laughs> yeah. and what's the percentage of those people that actually like mm-hmm. took it and then were able to apply it and, and make a success out of it, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm sure it's a good percentage rate, uh, mm-hmm. but it's probably like 5%, mm-hmm. you know, that have bought his books. So like, so it's like, especially like when you're, you're, you're kind of like, I equate it to that, like the playbook mentality. It's more mm-hmm. like a guide, mm-hmm. you know, the things in life that you get are more like guides to help you get through your own situations. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and like the last thing you were, you were saying there about with the, with the training and, and you know, trainers can help you. I think you literally said guide. They mm-hmm. can guide you through your situations that you're having with your dog, but they can't be there 24 seven, you know, three sixty five with you. Like mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they're there for, you know, a board and train and then follow ups. And after that, it's you. Mm-hmm. So you got to take the ball and roll. Yeah. Yeah. They're not, they can't. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine like every time your dog did something bad, then you just immediately f- put your dog in the car and fly up to your trainer's facility mm-hmm. every time. <laughs> yeah. And some people will do that, right? Like we'll see a lot of people and we'll see the progression of, you know, they'll do a board and trainer one-on-ones and every time they have an issue, they'll call us and they'll be like, I don't understand why my dog had this issue. Right. And yeah. we'll educate them on why. And, you know, show them how to some extent it was their fault that that issue happened. Mm-hmm. And then same deal. The next time there's an issue, we get another call. Next time there's an issue, another call. And then we hit a point where we start hearing from them less and less. But when we hear from them, the calls go from, I had this issue. I don't know what to do. You got to fix it. Right. To, I had this issue and I handled it in this way. And these were the results that I got from it. Mm-hmm. Right. They yeah. started realizing I have to be better. I have to solve these issues on my own, mm-hmm. right? And they do that, and then we get updates from them on how that impacted them. And then from there, the relationship becomes more natural, which is we organically can coach them through mistakes they made based on them actively trying to save things or solve things themselves, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Which is the way it should be, right? The calls we want aren't, I got, I had this issue, I or, or I should say, The calls we get shouldn't be, I had this issue. The Mm. calls we should get should be, I had this issue. This is what I did or this is what I tried with the information that I had. And this was the outcome, good or bad. What adjustments do I need to make next time? Mm. That's, that's big. I think that's the, that's that's the thing. Cause, cause yeah, like it's, it is so funny when I'll, I'll hear from people. Right. And they'll be like, my dog did this. Yeah. Right. It's like, (laughs) okay. Okay. what did you do? Yeah. (laughs) Right. And in a lot of cases, the answer is nothing. Right. Or then we'll finally get to the bottom of like, well, I tried this and it didn't work. It's like, okay, 
that's the information I need to know because you're the only one that could solve this. So I need to know how you tried to solve this. Mm. And if it didn't work, then we could figure out why it didn't work. Yeah. Right? Yeah, for sure. That's a big one. Yeah, I like that. I mean, at the end of the day, like, you're there to build the confidence for these people. But you can only do so much. Yeah. Like, they have to take the reins. You know, you have to take the reins if you're mm-hmm. if you're a dog owner listening to this. Like, it's it's not up to your trainer. It's, it's what you do with the information that is given, you know? Mm-hmm. And then what are you going to do with it? Yep. Who's going to carry the boats? Who's going to carry the boats? You are. That's right. The dog boat. So that's it. Those are my, those are my quotes. And they were great. Interesting. I, yeah. yeah. Nice little tie-in. Guys, a lot of times your dog training issues you're having, personal development issues, right? Mm-hmm. You figure out how to solve that problem and, and, and put a different perspective on things. I think you could achieve a lot that way. Mm. You know? Yeah. And I like the spin we kind of put on things these last few weeks as far as discussing more of that side of things the Mm. non-training related things but more of the human mentality things that i think tend to get in the way of people finding good results yeah you know even the more i'm I'm thinking about it like it's like they almost sometimes people like how you were saying they call and and they say well my dog did this yep it's like almost they they like are shifting the blame to the dog mm-hmm. when it's what well, it is yeah right but and that gets back to it takes everybody a different amount of time to realize yeah. they are the only ones yeah. that can solve those issues yeah right exactly and it's because it's so easy even with humans right it's so easy when you have a problem to blame somebody else oh yeah it's so easy if your business isn't succeeding to yeah. to blame the fucking government right mm-hmm. or blame you yeah. know the economy or any yeah. of those types of things as opposed to blame yourself, right? Because there's many people out there that have businesses that are the same as yours that aren't having those issues, right? And there's many people that have dogs just like yours that are not having those issues as well, Mm -hmm. right? So what's the variable here, right? Yeah. The variable is you. You. (laughs) Yep. I like that. That was a good one. That was good. I think that you saved the best for last, honestly. yeah. Yeah, I think that was good. So... So, get you guys thinking a little bit. Yeah. Think through some of this stuff. Yeah, we're, we're very uh, philosophical yeah. in these last couple, you know? Mm-hmm. So, that's all I got. You got anything else, Josh? No. I think that's it. Are we going to have one more before Christmas? One more will not be coming out before Christmas. Okay. So, this might be... Might have to tell this Merry is the Christmas Christ- episode, guys. This is the... the last week was the Christmas episode, but this week is our Merry Christmas. And take these quotes and really ponder them over this holiday season. Mm. Because here's the thing, right? As you um, um, go celebrate your holidays with people, you're going to experience judgmental family members or friends that don't approve of your training, right? You're going to experience potentially new problems with your dog as you integrate them into the holidays, and busier environments Mm. and take them new places, Mm. right? You're going to experience all of these different hurdles that we went down, right? You might not be confident in the things that you need to do. You might, um, do, 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 yeah. Have people that are, are judging you. You might be distracted, right? So, so in the holiday season, right? As you take your dog to these places, make sure if you're going to have your dog out at family functions, you are focused 
so you could accomplish more with your dog and avoid problems. Mm. Um, you know, you got to just take action on the things you need to do when you go there. Just all, all of those things, right? Just just pay attention to these things and take full responsibility for your dog's behavior over the course of the holidays here. Yep. You know, and as long as you do that, you shouldn't run into problems. And then from an actual dog training standpoint, like, don't feel like you have to take your dog to all these places as well. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. kind of fits into the the one quote of the judgment from people. You know, if if your mom and your dad absolutely love Fluffy so much and are going to be so heartbroken <laughs> and judge you so harshly if you don't bring them to Christmas, but you know on Christmas that four of your aunts are not going to respect any of your boundaries that you set for your dog, you have to be able to cast aside that judgment and do what's best for your dog still. Yep. You know? Oh, yeah. uh, personally, I've never taken my dog to big family functions when it comes yeah. to those types of things. Not only for that reason of the, the the potential judgment of the things I do with my dog from other people that I just don't want to deal with, but getting back to the distracted or not distracted or focused, I'm not going to stay focused enough through all of Christmas to be on my best behavior as mm. far as being the best trainer for my dogs possible. Yep. So less is more. My dog will have less friends, but more quality relationships <laughs> with those yeah. people they actually integrate with, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, not on the holidays. So don't feel like you have to take your dog to all those places. Yeah, 100%. So. Oh, I, I think this might be a good one for people, too. If they're Because if, <clears throat> I think you guys are having a lot of people over for Christmas, right? Are, yep. are you having people stay here as well? Yes. Okay. So <clears throat> if, if, you're, if you're hosting the family... Mm-hmm. What, what should you do with your dogs? It's a great example. Um, okay, so if you're going to be having people come and stay with you, and same deal, you're going to be having a big party on Christmas Eve night, mm-hmm. right? Exercise your dog really hard in the morning. Provide a ton of shit for them to do throughout the day. And then when the party comes around, if you don't want to have them out for the reasons described, put them in their crates. That's mm-hmm. what we'll be doing. Yep. Yep. Nice. We got kennels right over there. They can go hang out in those kennels. And um, yeah. We don't have to worry about it then at that point. Easy peasy. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then lots of breaks, you know. I think they're going to be bringing, the family are going to be bringing their family dog with them, mm. which is fine. I mean, the dog is fine. Yeah. Right? But the dog generally will stay with us as well, and we give them plenty of breaks away from each other also. Mm-hmm. You know, an hour yeah. or so at a time where we can supervise their interactions, then we separate them for a little bit. Yeah. Then an hour or so that we can supervise interactions, then we separate them for a little bit. Don't just jump right into like, oh, you guys just live together for yeah. the next week now. <laughs> You're great. that's how <laughs> shit goes wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> treat it just like you would treat any social or any, you know, play date that you set up with a dog where there cannot be unsupervised time. You do yeah. it in controlled chunks where you can make sure there's no resources out you could supervise and make sure nothing bad happens if something does happen you're right there to be able to stop it and address it right away mm-hmm. um, and then you give yourself and the dogs a break nice there it is cool so. all right guys well that's all we got for you yep. we'll catch you on the next one merry christmas bye <laughs>